Welcome to SL Advisors Talks Energy. I'm Simon Lack. At SL Advisors, we invest in energy infrastructure. We read about energy. We talk to people in the energy sector. We write about energy. We explore how the shale revolution is leading to American energy independence and how climate change is impacting how energy is produced and used. Nothing we say should be construed as a sale of securities, which can only be made through the relevant prospectus. In this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about my conclusions after reading Russell Gold's recent book, Superpower, One Man's Quest to Transform American Energy. Five years ago, Russell Gold published The Boom, How Fracking Ignited the American Energy Revolution. It was a great book. I loved it. It provided vivid stories of visiting a fracking site. It's a noisy, dirty disruptive process and Russell Gold was able to gain access through Marathon Petroleum to one of their fracking sites in North Dakota. He described it as watching a NASCAR pit crew sitting in front of computer terminals, really sort of illustrating the change in the energy business in America, where sometimes it seems you have as many people sitting in front of computer terminals as you do wrestling the heavy equipment around on the drilling site. Russell also conceded doubts about the benefits of the shale revolution, given worries about climate change and sort of uh, re-emphasized his green credentials as a writer. So his latest book, Superpower, One Man's Quest to Transform American Energy, sets out to show how wind-based electricity has a huge future in America. And indeed, there's lots of evidence to support that. Texas produces 25% of all of America's wind-based power. There was a day a couple of years ago uh, in March 2017 when fully 50% of the state's electricity came from wind. For a long time, people felt that wind was too intermittent and unpredictable, and that would make it hard to run a grid because an electric grid has to be up 100% of the time. And if you don't know how much energy you'll get from one source or when, it can make it hard to achieve that sort of balance. But Texas has found that they're able to do that. Texas has its own electric grid called ERCOT, which is which just covers that state. The conclusion Russell Gold probably wants you to draw from superpower is that wind has a terrific future. But in fact, reading the book gave me the opposite conclusion because of all of the struggles that Michael Skelly and his company Clean Line had as they set out to provide substantial amounts of wind-based electricity across the country. The problem comes to the installation. To produce wind power, you need enormous windmills in big open spaces or on top of mountains and a high area where they have easy access to lots of wind. And then you need long direct current electricity transmission lines to take the power to the population centers where it's needed. And it turns out that America's electric grid is very fragmented Although we have three regions, there's the, the Texas grid, ERCOT, and then there's an eastern and a western region, individual states have a great deal to say about construction that's happening within their state. So the regions will run the grid, the eastern and the western regions, but the states get to decide what type of power is produced where in their states. So, for example, if you want to move electricity from windy Oklahoma to population centers in Tennessee, it requires big power lines running through Arkansas. 
And Arkansas has a point of view of that. And, and they felt that there wasn't really any benefit to Arkansas. Why should they have those, those big pylons running through the state with no local benefit? In Arkansas, they even have these catch-22 type rules where if you're not a utility, you're not allowed to run power assets in the state, but then you can only run power assets if you're a utility. So it really makes it hard to get into the state for a new entrant. And these are rules that date back to the 1930s when the grid was first being extended within the state. Tennessee's then Senator Lamar Alexander came out against what he described as 50-story wind turbines on mountaintops, which was odd because you'd think that Tennessee would be interested in having electricity from a clean uh, source come to them. But of course, Lamar Alexander had been opposed to windmills offshore Nantucket as well, where he had a vacation home. And so maybe he was just pursuing that sort of visceral dislike of, of what they do to the view who was running clean power, spent eight years pursuing the Tennessee Valley Authority, trying to sell them electricity at ever cheaper prices as the, as the years went by. And it was never really clear why, but he was never able to close a deal with the Tennessee Valley Authority. In the end, he sold the business off in pieces. Nextera Energy, a company that we covered uh, some weeks ago in a blog post, the world's biggest producer of wind power, bought part of their assets. One of the things that we found with NextEra, which is a very exciting company by all accounts well run, is that because they're investing in windmills, which keep becoming more efficient, the windmills they have depreciate faster. And in fact, the $6 billion a year that NextEra currently spends on new projects takes up $4 billion just to maintain the value of what they already have. In other words, they spend $6 billion, but they got $4 billion of depreciation on their existing assets. They're spending a lot of money to stand still, although it's been a great stock to follow and certainly has an exciting story. Wind power certainly has an important place, but my conclusion was that it's going to be a very long time before America is set up to make extensive use of wind power. The institutional barriers, the large required investment in physical infrastructure and local opposition mean a national grid across the United States is unlikely to replicate the US pipeline system, which moves oil and gas fairly seamlessly around the country. But it was a great book. I loved Superpower. I found it very easy to read. And I recommend anyone interested in learning more about wind power should read this book. Thank you for listening to SL Advisors Talks Energy. To find more episodes like this one, go to our website, sl-advisors.com. There you can sign up for our blog, watch videos and webinars. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Simon Lapp.